Hello, listeners. Welcome to Educational Landscapes, Lessons from Leaders. On today's episode, we are going to learn from Linda Orkin-Lewin. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thanks, Ulemo. So happy to be here. All right. So to get us going, what is your education leadership title right now? Well, that's a little complicated. Somehow I have a few. Um, I am, as you well know, the co-director of the Woodruff Health Educators Academy, being that you are my co-director. Um, I am also the co-editor-in-chief of the soon-to-be-launched education journal in the health sciences at Emory, which is called Intersections, which everybody will hopefully see in the next few months. And I also have a teaching role in the School of Medicine. I'm called an education consultant. And those are my titles at the moment. Wonderful. I love the breadth of stuff that are full under your titles. So can you tell us a bit more about what you do in these different roles? Well, I seem to be involved in education at pretty much every possible level. So at the highest level, again, as you are well aware, I've been involved in developing the academy as well as the journal and doing strategic planning around each of them. So thinking about how to create sustainable organizations, what they, what their um, mission should be, how they should be funded, and all of those very high level kinds of tasks. A little bit closer to the ground, I get to help plan what each of those organizations does. So planning the fellowships in the academy, working with the um, the other editorial staff on the journal to create the policies and procedures that are gonna uh, let that actually function. And then even closer to the ground, I actually get to teach from time to time, which is super fun. I teach a third year medical student every week about well child care, which reminds me that I am a pediatrician by training, which is um, near and dear to me. And I teach in some of the education programs through the academy, as well as other faculty development offerings across the health sciences at Emory. So I have my fingers in education pretty much at every level, and it keeps me very busy, but very interested. I love that. I love that. So given the range of things that you do, as you said, different levels, different um, types of learners, what skills do you use in your roles? I was thinking about this earlier, and I was trying to think of skills that I don't use in these roles. The thing that I don't do exactly is clinical reasoning anymore, because sadly, I don't see patients right now. But I'm fairly certain that the clinical reasoning skill set is similar to problem solving that I do do quite frequently in my other roles. So I need to use organizational skills and communication skills, written skills, as well as spoken communication skills, um, teaching skills, all of pretty much all of the skills you can think of. And I'm not sure I always deploy all of them well, but I do have to trot them all out quite frequently. I love that. So you've got a nice toolbox that you sample from as needed. As needed, exactly. Wonderful. So what was your journey that led to these current roles? Well, I'm sure that this 
podcast is not long enough for me to go all the way back to when this all first started. But suffice it to say that I was a general pediatrician who had no intention of being an educator, but found myself recruited by my chair in my first faculty role to work on an education program, a primary care track that was being developed for medical students. And I found in that program mentorship, which was really, really important, as well as the ability to be really creative in a way that I just hadn't really imagined before. And so I really got the education bug and I did a lot of work in that institution and I did other kinds of education work in the next institution and have basically wherever I've gone, and this is the third place now, Emory is my third institution, looked for education work that really is important to change something in the institution. So not just continue to teach something that someone else did teach, but find a place where developing something new can really enhance the education programs. That is amazing. What do you wish you knew before stepping into these roles? Well, stupid as it might sound, I wish I knew education was a thing. <laughs> I was, when, when one is a medical student and then a resident, teaching happens and it seems to just happen by the people who are doing the work. And at least back in my day, nobody told anybody that education was actually a science and that there was something that you could learn that would help you do it better. And so I spent my first many years thinking of my education work as kind of tasks to be done. And it was creative and it was very fun, but I didn't understand that I could use what was already known in the field of education to help me go forward. And it took me a while, perhaps longer than it should have, but it, I eventually got there. It took me a little while to figure that out. In addition, that it took a while for me to understand the scholarship that could come from being an educator. And so I know at least at Emory, there's a resident education track. There are other education programs. I believe all residents now have to learn something about teaching. And I think that's really a good thing because people now have some idea that this is actually a field that they can um, focus on and not just sort of fall into like I did. That's, that's wonderful. Um, and I think that's really important as you're highlighting because you're, you did specialize in pediatrics and then you know teaching became an, a really large part of the work that you do. So in thinking about that, what continuing professional development have you done or do you currently do to help keep you up to date with uh, the things that you got to do in your role? Well, I was very lucky early on that my mentor in my first job suggested that I attend the Harvard Macy Institute for a course that at the time was called um, the Physician Educator Course, which is now, I believe, the health professions education course because it's expanded greatly since then. But this was many years ago, I dare say decades ago. And that was where I really began to learn that there was some science behind education and that there were other people 
who were actually thinking about the same things I was, which was fabulous. So that was my first introduction to career development or um, education around educating. And since then, I also have attended another Harvard Macy course, as well as workshops and seminars and things like that at national meetings that I attend. Currently, I go to the Association of American Medical Colleges meetings almost every year, where I get to see people who are doing all kinds of education work, as well as other academic medicine work, which is really great. And I attend the most amazing thing. We call it summer camp. And this is a, a symposium. It's the Health Professions Educators Summer Symposium, which is an interprofessional meeting for educators across health professions who want to think more deeply about what education is and can be for our future professions. In the past, I've also gone to meetings more specifically for pediatric clerkship directors, because I was one of those for a decade or so. Um, meetings for pediatric program directors, because I was involved in residency training and other meetings like that. So a whole variety of settings where educators gather and talk about their work. That's wonderful. So one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, your co-editor um, of the new journal at the Woodruff Health Sciences Center level. You've also mentioned that scholarship is a really important piece that you've also learned about. Did you find that you were able to learn um, in those same spaces about educational scholarship, or did you have to find that learning elsewhere? Well, that learning about educational scholarship, frankly, happened on the job because as many educators do, early on, I would help develop something and we would present it to our learners and they would love it and they would do well on whatever assessment we did. And then we would think, oh, that was great. We should publish it and found quickly that we maybe didn't think in advance about exactly what data we wanted, about the learners or about their outcomes or whatever. And I had a lot of rejections, a lot more rejections in those days. Not that I don't get my fair share now, but it took getting reviews about those things and being asked to be a reviewer for some journals to really start thinking, wait a second, if I'm going to create something that I might want to study, what do I really need to know and how can I set it up in advance? So it was very much learning on the job and it makes me feel a little guilty because I teach this now <laughs> to people and I feel like a little bit of a, of a fraud, as sometimes people do, because I didn't have a lot of training in this myself. I kind of learned it as I went. And as you know, when I get to the statistics, I always need help. <laughs> uh, I think experiential learning is just as important as, you know, didactic or, you know, theoretical learning. So I think it comes together pretty well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then thinking about, as you said, the journey that you've had and, you know, the different things that you're currently doing, how do you view succession planning um, as it relates to like education and education leadership? I think succession planning has become more important to me clearly as I've 
moved on in my career, but especially because I've had two jobs before my current job where I had to leave and leave the work to somebody else and came to find out that if I hadn't thought in advance about who could do that job, that I would feel like I was leaving things sort of up in the air and was unsure that they would even continue. And so I think that that's something that's been important to me here at Emory, also because I'm at the latter end of my career. And so it's more predictable that eventually I might retire and need somebody and or a group of people to you know be coming up behind me and us. So um, I think it's really important to include younger educators in the work that we all do so that they start to learn the lessons that I all just mentioned and can get their toes wet and can see how other people do the job so that they can develop their own skills and their own styles and so forth and are ready to move forward and take over or expand what we're already doing and enhance the, the education program that's going on. And having been in three different institutions, I've seen three different times in three different ways how people who are education leaders can sometimes be so ensconced in their work and so devoted to it that they don't always think who's going to do this after me. And it's really, I think, important to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you reflect on, you know, your career to date, um, what do you feel contributed to your biggest successes? Um, there's an excellent question. I think I've been the most successful when I've had a picture of something in my head that I wanted to happen or to exist. And I just looked for ways to get there. And they didn't always turn out to be what I thought they were going to be. But I think for me, the most exciting thing is the creativity part about it. And so create thinking of what I want to create with partners, of course, like you and I thinking about the academy and then thinking, okay, that's a beautiful vision. How on earth are we going to do that? And then figuring it out. And I think that that kind of, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's that that is really, when I've been successful, it's been because I've found ways to make the thing I wanted to happen happen with lots of help from lots of other people. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, as you're describing, it's that idea of the vision and not just leaving it at the vision, but really from that vision, really thinking through a plan for implementation and then seeing it through. Love that. That's great. It's great when it works out. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, you know, as they say, sometimes even when a fail happens, it's a learning experience. So that um, is definitely true. Yep, yep, yep. So what then, as you also reflect um, on your career and work to date, um, are or were your biggest growth opportunities? 
I have to say, none of them were exactly my choice, but my biggest growth opportunities was for the times that I changed institutions and went someplace new. Because in a new setting, one has the opportunity to sort of break out of the view of the world that one had before and really just look at everything anew and a whole new set of people, a whole new set of circumstances and opportunities. And so my biggest growth has happened when I left my first institution for the second and the second for Emory. And although I might not have chosen those, those changes, I certainly would never regret them. Each one has led me to do things that have been fabulous and that I wouldn't have ever dreamed of. That's wonderful. You, you've you moved forward with, uh, you know, I think a lot of us have a fear of the unknown and <laughs> you embrace that. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so um, as you, you think about, um, you know, those experiences and what you're doing now, what do you love most about your work and what you do? I love... I love the people I work with, all of them. That would include you, of course, at the top of the list. I love feeling like the work I'm doing is moving something forward in the institution that will that will last. So creating an academy, creating a journal, these are things that I hope, um, and I've tried to work towards making them things that will will remain after I'm retired, when I'm home playing with my grandchildren all day. <laughs> and that's, you know, that that really is important to me. That's really, really important. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So we're coming to the last set of questions here. Um, and so now thinking overall uh, and reflecting on your experiences to date, what are your passions around education? How would you describe them? I think the point of education, and it's been said by many people more eloquently than me, but isn't so much to teach people as to help them learn or support them in their learning. And over the years, I've been very interested, as you know, in professional identity formation and identity formation in general. And I think what we do, aside from provide a lot of facts and figures and so forth that, that our learners have to, have to embrace, but we, we wanna do it in a way that allows them to become the physician or nurse or health professional, whichever one it is, that, that they are meant to be. So I think over time, I've come to see that that the content of what we teach is really important, but the process is, I think, more important to, to give people the, the opportunity to learn who they are and to become who they are, are they are meant to be. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And so my last um, kind of core question, recognizing that you are more than what you are at work, um, as you are a, a whole holistic person, what is one thing you do outside of work to help maintain joy in life and practice? One thing, well, 
almost all the things are family related. I'm waiting for my first grandchild, which is why I mentioned grandchildren before, and I'm very excited about that. I guess the things I do for me, I do a little yoga, I knit. I've been on a socks kind of journey recently, um, and that's been fun. And I like to spend time with my friends, often outside walking or exercising in some way. And I think those are the things outside of family that really keep me grounded. But my two children and my son-in-law and my husband and my very obnoxious but adorable dog um, are probably the most important things to me and keep me very busy somehow, even though many of them don't live with me anymore. <laughs> I love that. So those were my core questions. Any last lessons from leaders you want to share with the audience? I don't think so. I appreciate your asking me to be interviewed. And I think for any educator listening to this, if you've made it all the way to the end, congratulations. And never underestimate what you can do. I think sometimes educators feel very underappreciated, which is sometimes true, and under-resourced, which is often true. But there's a lot that we can do as educators within even the confines uh, in which we find ourselves. And so try to find colleagues who you can work with, who you love, and important topics that you want to teach about that are passions of yours and and just stick with it because um, there's nothing better. Thank you. Those are wonderful wise words to close out the session. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you.